Welcome to the Let's Scare My Girlfriend to Death podcast. I'm your co-host, Josh. And I'm your co-host, the girlfriend, Cindy. Hey guys, welcome to back to another episode of Let's Scare My Girlfriend to Death. I'm the girlfriend, Cindy. With me, as always, is Josh. Hi. <laughs> Josh is the boyfriend who loves all things horror, and he's trying to uh, induct me into this world. I'm still working on it. Sorry. Hey. This hey. month, we are doing, uh, we're continuing the delve into Lovecraft world. Yeah, this is our um, other people playing in the Lovecraft world. Right. We, uh... Yeah. Yeah, like the uh, Lovecraft sandbox. Yeah, Dark City last week was pretty great. It was pretty good, pretty good. (laughs) But tell me, this week, what are we into? So, listener, we are going all the way back to 1963 for Roger Corman's X, the man with X-ray eyes. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Fuck yeah, this movie. Is this... Okay. Am I going to find this scary, or is this more, like, campy? You're going to enjoy the ever-loving shit out of this movie, okay. I think. Yeah. Um, Cindy, listeners. Joshua, yes. This movie is mm-hmm. a super lengthy one hour and 19 minutes. Oh, man, it doesn't even make the 90-minute mark. <laughs> Yowza. This is, yeah, this was originally part of a double bill. This 19? is a Corman film. So What was it double billed with? Does it matter? I'm not sure. Probably something ridiculous. Probably one of his Poe films. Uh, 63. I think that's the year my mom graduated high school, I think. Well, there you go. I, uh, I think. Well, I'll be corrected. Uh, we were not even considered no. in 1963. No. Uh, <laughs> but in 1963, just to bring everyone up to speed with what was happening in the world, it's a pretty crazy year. That was the year that George Wallace became governor of Alabama. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And in his inaugural segregation, uh, his inaugural address, he said segregation now, segregation tomorrow, segregation forever. He became a pretty staunch uh, liberal after he was shot, thanks to Shirley Chisholm. He asked for forgiveness in the middle of a black church. It was very powerful. Yeah. This is pre-that when he was a piece of shit. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) This is before he, yeah. Before somebody had to shoot him for him to realize that he's an idiot. Before they had to shoot the racism out of him. Uh, The Beatles released Please Please Me, The Birds by Alfred Hitchcock. Uh, by uh, sorry, let's do that again. Let's try that again. Yeah, <laughs> the birds by Alfred Hitchcock was released. Okay. General Hospital debuted bum, on bum, bum, bum. the television. <laughs> uh, Lawrence of Arabia won Best Picture. Martin Luther King's letter from Birmingham Jail was uh, published. Megger Evers was murdered. Zip codes uh, were indu- introduced. Oh, I didn't know that was a recent thing. Yep, uh, 1963. It was the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom that culminated yes. with the I Have a Dream speech by Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, Malcolm X also gave his message to the grassroots uh, in Detroit. Kennedy was assassinated. Doctor Who debuted. And Lee Harvey Oswald was assassinated. Wow. Yes. What a wild ride that year was. Yeah, I think that was my mom's... Senior, either her senior year or junior year, because she was at school when they heard about Kennedy. Also, the fact that I do this in the order that the events happened. Right. So, in the days between the Kennedy assassination and Jack Ruby killing Lee Harvey Oswald, Mm -hmm. Doctor Who came out. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Meanwhile, across the pond, in that, in that weird little, like, couple days, uh, while the world was like, oh my god. Yeah, Doctor Who was like, hey, we're here. It's gonna keep this shit going forever. That's the thing. Um, people that were born uh, in 1963. Hit me up. What we got? Dave Foley. <laughs> From Kids of the Hall, Dave Foley? Exactly. Nice. Uh, Michael Jordan, wow. i.e. arguably the greatest basketball player of all time. Of all time. Quentin Tarantino. Conan O'Brien. My favorite guy. Brad Pitt. Second. And Whitney Houston. <laughs> people that died that year. Died are. Robert Frost. Poet Laureate of the United States. Sylvia Plath. Not a good year for poets. Yeah. <laughs> Poetry took a dark turn. Uh, Patsy Cline died in that plane crash, or that helicopter crash. I think it was a plane crash, though. And, of course, Kennedy. Kennedy. That was a thing. And Lee Harvey Oswald. Yeah. So, 1963. Wow. Wowzers. It was um, another rough year for America. Yeah. Uh, this movie was released September 19th of that year. Okay. Yeah. Um, like I said, it was directed by Roger Corman, who we, is super important to the history of film, especially genre film. This is not our first Corman film, is it? I don't, I don't think so. I don't know. Well, you and I together have seen I mean, like, him before. Yeah, I collect his movies because they're... I meant like I've really seen them with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's the founder of American International Pictures that produced things like all of the... I think he did the Beach Blanket Bingo movies, and he, he nice. did everything. Like, Corman was the biggest producer outside of a Hollywood system. Um, he also later did New World Pictures. He has over 400 credits as a producer. Damn. Yeah. As a director, he's best known for his films with Vincent Price, like The House of Usher, Pit and the Pendulum, The Raven, etc. Okay, so that's what you meant when you said probably one of his Poe things. Yeah. yeah. Um big time. He also produced this movie as did Samuel Z. Arkoff. Ooh, so we have to do the Arkoff method for this. Yeah. Ooh, that makes me very excited to watch this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, the story, it's a story and co-screenplay by uh, Ray Russell who did Mr. Sardonicus and then the other person who wrote the screenplay is Robert Dillon who wrote Bikini Beach, Prime Cut, and Flight of the Intruder, which is an insane Vietnam aerial movie. I'm already going to text my mother because she'll want to watch this movie with us. Continue your... uh... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The cinematography is by Floyd Crosby, who did a, quote, shitload of Roger Corman movies. Wow. Is that officially you? Yeah. uh, Like a buttload. He also shot High Noon, which is like one of the greatest westerns of all time. Okay. Saith me in your face. Howard Hawks, who hated that movie. Oh, okay. I don't know who that is or why he, he hated it. He was continue. also a filmmaker, and he made Rio Bravo because he hated High Noon so much. But that's a... It, would I do a Westerns podcast with my dad one day? Yeah. <laughs> then we'll talk about that. Um, but the cast of this movie... From is, 1963, Roger yeah, Corman. Okay, go ahead. This is the only movie that I think has a Lovecraft... Uh, bent to it that it literally has an Oscar winner in it. Ooh. So this movie stars Ray Milland as... Um, Is that the Oscar winner? The, yeah, Dr. Jones Xavier. He's Dr. X, the man with X-ray eyes. So he won Best Actor for Lost Weekend, which is a movie about an alcoholic I was going to say, that control. just sounds like uh, me yeah. in college. 
Um, the thing about Raymond is he kind of was an alcoholic. Oh, so it was And a... his career kind of did spiral out of control. I was going to say I never heard of him, but... Yeah, he was kind of a big deal in the 40s, and then this is like 20-some years after he won the Oscar, and he's in this a... This is how far he's fallen. ...science fiction horror movie. Gotcha. So, but... Well, mm, well you choose yeah. the liquor. He was also in Hitchcock's Dial Limb for Murder, which is a pretty good Hitchcock film. All right. All right. Here's a name. That's a real name. Are you ready? Diana Vandervliss. Vandervliss? It's V-L-I-S. How about Vander Happy? That sounds hilarious. Yeah. She's Dr. Diane Fairfax. She was in The Swimmer with Burt Lancaster. I think All she was I'm picturing is like Moira from Schitt's Creek right now. But yeah, go ahead. She was like a model, I believe, who became an act, like one of those situations. Yeah. Yeah. Like... Holy shit, you're beautiful. Do you want to be in movies? Signed Roger Corman. <laughs> Via, instead of like the route of like, oh my god, you've worked your entire life and put in all this effort to learn all these techniques. You sure is pretty. Yeah. You, damn, you look good. Yeah, that's a thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, also in this movie is Harold J. Stone, who's Dr. Sam Brent. He was in Hitchcock's The Wrong Man. in this one. Yeah, this is a doctor movie. He was also in Spartacus. Uh, John Hoyt plays Dr. Willard Benson. He was also in Spartacus and Cleopatra and Brute Force. Brute Force being my favorite of those three movies. Okay. And the last credited person in is. one of their best on-screen roles. What? Is okay. Don Rickles. Wait. The Don Rickles? Yes. Insult comment extraordinaire? Uh, he plays Crane. I literally wrote... You know him as Don a Rick- comedian. Yeah, he's, he's Don, Don Rickles. Rickles. He was also in Kelly's Heroes Casino and Toy Story. Yep. Johnny yeah, Cat. Uh, one of Johnny Cash's favorite. Uh, jo- Johnny. Uh, oh, who's the guy from Late Night? Johnny Carson. Johnny Carson's favorite people. Yeah. In my head, I finished that sentence with saying, "One of Johnny Cash's favorite movies is Toy Story." Oh, what if it was? <laughs> was he? I, think I he was believe dead. It. He was gone before then. I don't I think, think so. He was gone before the four. I don't know, maybe. Oh, well. All right. So uh, now we're part of the podcast where Josh shows me a short, uh, not a short, shows me a poster from the movie, and I try to figure out what it's going to be about. Notice, like, short is on my mind. Okay. I love the campiness of this poster. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, this looks like a mystery science theater thing. Uh, a guy with X on his head. <laughs> Very Charles Manson face. Pulp comic painted. Uh, okay, this is going to be about a guy who accidentally gives himself x-ray vision, and uh, it's very, like, the Midas touch. Like, he can't unsee the things that he sees, and he drives himself crazy. I mean, kind of. You're not too far off. Ooh, go me. That being said, this falls into the category of a lot of these Lovecraft-inspired movies where it's, like, a good movie with a great ending. Like, all right. You know how we talked about Prince of Darkness is like it's a good movie, yeah. But the ending is holy shit. Like yes. it really, you walk away from that movie thinking it's better than it is because the ending's so good. Yeah, you forget like the kind of shit ass parts in the front. Agreed. Um. So where can we watch this movie? Is this a hard to find movie? No, you can probably rent it anywhere. Uh, Kino Lorber put out a Blu-ray that I snagged so we could watch it. Okay, that's what we'll be watching it on. There's yes. the plebeians. Buy it on Amazon. <laughs> or buy Shutter it or something. Blu-ray? No, they can't be like us. Or buy it through, I think Corman has a store. Buy it through Corman. 
you know, he's 95 now, I think, or something like Support that. Support our elderly, because their social security doesn't. He just had a birthday the other day. Yay, Corman. This is this one's for you. Okay. Uh, join us, won't you? Mind the doors. August 14th. Notes on experiment. Designated X. Experimental subject, myself, James Xavier. X, the most fantastic experiment you have ever taken part in, presents Ray Moland in his most challenging role since his Academy Award-winning Lost Weekend. X, the man with the X-ray eyes. Are you all right? It's like a splitting of the world. More light than I've ever seen. Filled with light. X, the man with the X-ray eyes, tries to help the most desperate in our society and enjoys all the delights of secretly studying sexology. Headache? No, it's just my eyes. A doctor with a power to see what others cannot believe. He can overcome the unknown, save lives, and invade the glamour gambling casinos of Las Vegas and defy the goddess of chance. Don't draw. Don't draw. The next card's a face card. And Harry, you better go for the sheriff right now. Hey guys, welcome back to welcome back from uh, X, X man with X-ray professor, eyes. professor. No wait, Doctor X and the eyes, the eyes of X. I, I never get the name right. It's very strange that it just starts with an X. Well, it's actually if you watch the movie, the title is just X. They added the man with X-ray eyes so later that you had like the ad campaign. Probably so people didn't think that it was an X-rated movie. I would so, assume. Uh, you got to think like. The time that this movie came out, there was a huge x-ray boom. Like, yeah. as far as, like, that was a thing, that people x-ray glasses, people wanted to see through walls. Yeah, the, yeah. There was this big fantasy about being able to see women without clothes on. In the bag of every around. comic book, heck yeah. Yeah. And, and that's exactly what this was. We get that. So this was a movie about an ophthalmologist. No, he was just a researcher who... A surgeon who was researching ways to uh, make your eyes more powerful and to eliminate x-ray, like the x-ray process. You could just like look into a human body and know and see what's wrong. So, yeah. Um, and 
I'm just going to, can I stop you for a second? Yeah. And before we go further and just say that I love this movie. I thought it was really fun. But none of the doctor roles make any sense. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. So, yeah, we'll get to that. I, in fact, I think, didn't we stop the movie so I could ask about the, the doctor roles? Like, what kind of doctor is he? He's a surgeon, but he's also doing research. And his ophthalmologist is in the surgery room with him. And then the the, the grant writer was in the surgical room with them. The uh, yeah, that yeah. didn't make sense. The the main female character is a surgeon also, but it works for like a research corporation who does grants. Well, yeah, it didn't make any sense. I'm just gonna go with the medical field was wildly different in the 50s. Uh, I guess. Uh. <laughs> This movie, okay, so uh, he, he had a series of eye drops to make him his eyes more powerful, but then, of course, he, you know, reaches the peak and he can't turn it off, and he can't, cl- like, he can't close his eyes to go to sleep or anything, because he just sees through everything, mm-hmm. and he ends up becoming, like, a sideshow freak, and, uh, and then he just ends up kind of going mad, going crazy, Right? I mean, that's... I I agree with you up to the point about going crazy. I think he just went a little nutso. Because I think... Well, we'll talk about this again. I, I don't think he's what does, crazy at the end of the movie. What does IMDb say? Is It's probably not as uh, <laughs> rambling and hymns and haws as that mine. A doctor uses... I'm sorry, I blew that up. A doctor uses special eye drops to give himself x-ray vision. But the new power has disastrous consequences. That's true. Yeah. Um, that That is indeed what happened. So this movie. Let's talk about how this is a good movie with a great ending. The ending does not match the movie. Does yeah. that make sense? It turns... It's almost like pod people in that way. Or Invasion of the Body Snatchers, I mean. In that, like, the last 15 minutes are incredible and so noteworthy but the rest of the movie is totally forgettable yeah you mean the one for the Elliot, not Elliot Gold the, what not Elliot Gold Sutherland yeah Donald Sutherland 70s. we did that during uh, Invasion of the Body well and, and yeah Body yeah. Swap this this movie's weird because it turns into a totally different movie at the end it does it becomes um, and it's the movie that I kind of wish it would have been for most of the movie yeah yeah. So in the end, he, you know, stumbles his way into a, um, like a, rev- like a tent revival. Yeah, a revival. And at that point, what is he seeing? So he, his you have to look at, it, you have to look at the eye drops as two things, basically, right? So this is a few years before Roger Corman made the trip. Which is a movie about a guy doing LSD. Okay. And Roger took LSD with like the best possible. Oh, so he's method LSD with. Well, no, like he was the director and he helped write it and like Nicholson and mm-hmm. Dennis Hopper. And oh, that's right. That you Bruce were telling Stern me they all took it together. Peter Fonda were all like, "You kind of can't make a movie about this, Roger, if you don't try it." So they all did acid with Roger Corman, which. Is amazing. Uh, Joe Dante actually has a script called um, "Tripping Acid." No, it's like the man with kaleidoscope eyes, and it's about the making of this movie. And it would 
He was going to star uh, Bill Hader as Roger Corman. Oh, that would have been great. And I, I really, love Bill Hader in anything. I really want that to still happen. If someone could please give Joe Dante a ton of money to make that happen. But the funding I fell through. I love you. Or just it never happened. It just, you know, it's never quite the right time. Like, circumstances never quite lined up. And they he still has it. It's still his, and he could still do it. I, I really want him to. But, so this movie is like a few, like maybe five or six years before Roger does that. So there is a tinge of LSD to those eye drops. And now, and they're also very, I guess, addictive because he keeps doing it. Like, is it, well, are they addictive or is he addicted to the power? I want to say it's the latter because as he keeps doing it, like he basically, it's like every time he does it, he sees further, right? Yes. Like, so it begins. He could see through like he can, yeah he can your see outer shirt. He makes sure to tell you it compounds over and over and over again. Well, that's a science fiction film in the fifties. Yeah, so it <laughs> you know it starts with just being it being able to see through their clothes, and we have the naked dance party in the doctor's lounge, and then which Paul Thomas Anderson. <laughs> Let's talk about totally that for a minute. We did in inherent or not inherent vice in the master. Whenever Freddie Quill is watching everyone singing and dancing, and then he just imagines oh, yeah, all, everyone the, naked. all the women, only yeah. the women naked, dancing around. Yeah, I forgot all about that. I want to say that kind of maybe came from this movie. Interesting. We might need to ask if we ever meet Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah, if I meet Paul Thomas Anderson, I don't think we're going to get to that question. Well, I don't know. Maybe but that's that might be a one good of the one, top ones. he might actually be super into that question. Okay. This, so anyway, and then at the, he sees through, you know, they're naked. And then by the end of, by the time we get to the tent revival, he, what he, I'm trying to remember, was he, he's it's seeing. God. He sees God. Yeah. Like. He, he can pro- see things happening. Yeah. Like he progresses creation. from being able to see through, like, your jacket into your pocket to see what that guy had in his pocket. Right. Which is, that was his sideshow act. To he, I mean, that's even earlier. Like his very first thing is he tells the member, it was oh, the paper. Yeah. He's like, I could see the, this, he like reads the paper. It's in the envelope. Yeah. But the, when the, in the yeah. pocket, that was he could see the through the thing. thing. But by the end of the movie, when he shows up at the tent revival, and I think this is purely Roger Corman. Cause Roger Corman is, I'm going to say, hands down, the greatest filmmaker ever at taking ideas that are important to him that are fairly leftist and couching them historically in, like, insane narratives designed to make money. And that's what this is? Like, it's that, like a capitalist that's what, that's Trojan horse. That's what the last ten minutes is. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, this is his The Dictator. Well, I mean... The Charlie almost, Chaplin movie where, like, it's hilarious. And the last bit, you're like, oh, that got serious. Here's the thing. A lot of the movies Roger did that he produced and almost all of them that he directed except with maybe the intruder starring William Shatner are these stories that are designed to be a genre movie right with like boobs and explosions and, right? and guns and car chases yeah very Austin Powers but he hides these things in them where you're like oh there's like more going on here if you want to look for it but if you don't there's like boobs and explosions and motorcycle so what, chases and do you do you have like an accurate summary of what that last little speech was so here's his eyes have gone totally black he he goes from seeing like through a manila envelope to he says to that preacher and i think it's super interesting 
And I think this is the this is the Roger that I love. Coming out. Yeah. He can't help himself. That he stumbles, our main character stumbles into a tent revival who has a pastor who's it was, like it excitedly was, saying that he's speaking for God and we're sinners and yeah. he's going to cast the sin out and all that. You know, I'm sure that seemed wild in the 50s. But shit. that was not... I mean, tent revivals get wild. And that was a very tame tent revival. So, well, I would say it had less to do with that and more to do with Roger probably had like five <laughs> or six people he could use that day. Oh, um, extras. Yeah. But, so he stumbles, our main character stumbles into that tent revival and he says to the pastor that he has seen the center of the universe. That's how far his serum has now let him see. He's seen the center of the universe and he's seen the all-seeing eye or whatever watching yeah, the creation. all of us, the creator. He's basically seen God yeah. at the center of the universe overseeing everything, right? Mm-hmm. So that would essentially make him a prophet like he's like i've seen god i know there is a god i have empirical evidence with my eyeballs that god is real and then the very first thing that occurs after that is the pastor's like you're the devil right pull your eyes out because they're offensive and they're sinning right so when confronted with evidence that god is real and there is a higher power that created everything and is watching all of, watching over all of us and watching everything. The religious character is like, is the e kind of nope. Pull your eyeballs out. Ugh. And he does. Yes, he does. Um, it's that. But that you said that's kind of a Roger Corman, yeah, not trope. But yeah. uh, I mean, I couldn't style. help but notice, and it made me smile because the ending is really shocking, and it just does seem that this movie doesn't. It is. It's it's end. totally different. Yes, it's like eyeballs boop out end. Um, there was a rumor for a long time that it faded to black and then you heard the main character yell, dear God, I can still see. But that's huh. actually, from what I've heard, not true. That's okay. Like a Rogerism after the fact where someone pointed out and he's like, yeah, that, that was a thing. And I was going to say, how does that... were like, that wasn't a thing, Roger. Okay. Because if you took... Okay. <laughs> the, well, I'm glad about when that. When the then. myth... Or when the... What is it? Uh... When he just likes to tell a good tale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to me, that's the point of this movie, is the last, like, ten minutes of the movie. Because before that, it's just, you know, oh, look at the buildings are not there the way they should mm-hmm. be. Oh, The clothes God, aren't there the they should be. The women are naked. Oh, but, like, the ending of the movie, Roger's just like, oh, yeah, so this character's seen God, and then you deny him. <laughs> And make him rip his eyeballs like, out. I fucking love you, Roger Corman. I love you so much. Um, <laughs> it was pretty foul, y'all. Yeah. But he basically, that he sees eternity, right? And he can't handle that case. He actually says... The He's gone crazy. God book ends this movie. God right? book? And, and oh, yeah. The Lovecraftness of this movie is like scientific hubris, right? Mm-hmm. The beginning of the movie is him and his optometrist... Being smarmy as shit, saying, you know, human beings can only see on this wavelength, and what if we could see more, and, you know, I'm catching up to God. And then when he does, he's get the same level of supposed vision. Well, but that's the whole thing, you know, we're we're unworthy to be that powerful. We're unworthy to see 
I mean, mm-hmm. God, you're not supposed to be able to look at. And I, I told you before we started this, I had mentioned it, that while, like, scientific hubris destroying your body and altering it to try to, you know, by being around something beyond us or mm-hmm. to try to be something beyond us is very Lovecraftian. But the idea of, like, science trying to replicate or take the place of God is as old as Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Yeah. Because right. that's, that's the basic of, basis of that like is... Man creates man. Boom. Like and I've, it always goes wrong. It does. It, it, it always it, it's goes always, wrong. It's always a hubris that we suffer for. Because that's honestly, in our puritanical society, that mm-hmm. that's how we feel science should be treated when it tries to get too big for its britches. <laughs> yeah. Like... Like you, now. You know, and also it kind of makes for boring movies if it's just like... Fair, yeah. You know... This thing happened, and then science fixed it. I love... The end, 20 minutes later. I think the reason you like Corman is because, like you said, he has these little (coughs) spots of crazy leftist information, and yet this still was most definitely an Arkov film, I think. Well, there is a Roger Corman method, and this is a Sam Arkov film produced film as well okay so that makes sense our cough formula that we'll do in a minute but um corman's uh corman's whole thing was if i remember correctly is show something back in this period before nudity was allowed it was like show something like tantalizing like the naked dancing yeah like in the first reel or two to keep them in their seats Mm -hmm. and then just keep the story moving Right? Yeah. And then it was every, like, he wanted an action sequence every, like, 10 or 15 minutes. Something, you know. Yeah. It quick paced. Yeah. And it followed that as well. So when people start to get bored, it something happens. And you're like, oh, like, there's no reason whatsoever in real life that you would accidentally, like, bump into your friend and knock him out a window. Yeah. <laughs> 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 But that happens in this it movie does because we it, had hit a point where we're like, oh, it's starting to totally fly. Totally so unexpected. Totally unexpected. Corman is, does not let you stay bored. And sometimes his movies are not the better for it. Yep. But God bless him. I love Roger Corman. So the, and then the Arkov, so with him being a producer, it makes sense that this fits. Uh, action. Yes. Mm-hmm. It, it, yeah. There's car chases. <laughs> There's car chases, there's tent revivals, it's crazy. Uh, revolutionary. I think, yeah, I mean, is this the first? I mean, it, it's LSD before LSD was a, a common thing for most of America to know about. Okay, so I guess we, yeah, we'll give it to him. <laughs> Killing, randomly, yes. Yeah, oh yeah. Oratory, at the end, big old speech, fantasy, Yes, and then fornication, we've got the naked dance where, mm-hmm. where everyone is naked. Yep. And, and like you said, you don't see, you know, they don't show anything because this is still from the 50s but or the 60s. But, yeah, I mean, it was enough to kind of go, whoa, whoa, what are they going to show? It was very burlesque that way. Uh, one thing I did notice was every character in this movie except for the woman is a white man who's very smug and very comfortable thinking that they're right about everything. Yeah. 
Even Don Rickles. <laughs> Don Rickles' character. <laughs> we, we didn't even talk about He's like skeezy as fuck. Yeah. When he, when he is working at... Yeah, buddy. All right, man. When he's working using his mental power... Or not his mental powers. His like ability to see through things. As like a sideshow actor when he's hiding out from the cops. They call him Mentallo. <laughs> and Don Rickles is like his handler. And he's like, I know who you are. You're the doctor that killed these people. He's so like... I don't know. Hey, how did he slimy. figure that shit out? But yeah, he's, he's, a, he's the... That archetype of like uh, the Pinocchio traveling entertainer, you yeah. know, like out to steal children. The doctor who misdiagnoses the girl and then won't listen to anyone being like, uh, maybe you want to get a second opinion. And then whenever he stops the sur- tries to stop the surgery because he knows it's going to kill the girl, and the doctor won't listen, so he cuts his hand. And then he opens her up, and he's right. Mm-hmm. The doctor's still like, "I'll have you dis or not disbarred." I'll- I'll, yeah, I'll have your I'll have, have your, your license, license revoked. revoked or whatever. You sure did. Like every man in this movie, chain smokes cigarettes, and is one hundred percent right about everything all the time. All the time. It's the fifties. This is the sixties. Let's make America great again. Well, yeah, sixty three. Sixty. Yeah, sixty three. This is um. This is like Kennedy administration. It is. Do we have trivia for this? <laughs> we uh, talked a little bit do. about. You know, at the end, whether oh, I can still see, but I guess that's not true. That's apocryphal. Ooh, hit that pop. So the film originally had a five-minute prologue about the human senses, and they removed it from all the post-theatrical prints of the film uh, because... And that's what moved the film down to 79 minutes, <laughs> was Roger felt that it telegraphed the ending. Okay. Like, because they were, like, talking about eyes yeah, and all this, this stuff. And he was right. like, I don't want any, I want everyone to be surprised and shocked at the ending. Even though so, it was X, the man with X-ray eyes. Yeah. Well, I think in yeah, the opening credits, I don't, just, like, an eyeball floating in. It, oh, yeah, yeah. It's bookended by God, and it's bookended well, by eyeballs. Eyeballs. Yep. <laughs> the windows of the soul. Look, see what we did there? Uh, so to create the effect of being able to see through a building, they filmed the buildings while they were being constructed. <laughs> right. Okay. Anything else good? Yeah, it's the the final chase involving Ray Milan's erratic driving took place on Soledad Canyon Road between Santa Clarita and Action or Acton, California, the same place where the film Duel was uh, that Spielberg's first big thing was filmed. Well, that's kind of cool. Yep. It must be a, a good straight, not unused kind of piece of the uh, of road. Yep, and the skeletal building that we talked about was actually. The Department of Water and Power General Office Building in downtown LA, and it was uh, the construction began in '63 and it wasn't finished till '65. And in Great Britain, the film was released in '64 in a double bill with another Roger Corman film, *The Mask of the Red Death*. Oh yeah, the Poe. Um, we talked about the beginning how this was on a double bill and we didn't know what it was. What was the double bill? Did you find out? Yeah, it was. Dementia 13. And that, 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 if I can do a quick aside, I don't know, I don't remember if we talked about this or not. So Roger Corman produced and directed all these movies, but he also found all this talent, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so many important people in American film got their starts because of Roger Corman. Like, Scorsese on Boxcar Bertha, yeah. for instance. Um, 
this movie, or Dementia 13, that this was on a double bill with, is the first film of Francis Ford Coppola. Oh, really? Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, oh gosh, the names keep piling yeah, up. Corman hired him to, like, do script writing and, work mm-hmm. on, like, work on sets and whatnot, and then that's how, basically how it worked, is all these films. Almost like an apprenticeship, you had to do your time. Yeah. Went there, and if you were an actor, like Pam Greer, for instance, mm-hmm. he would just put you in everything. Yeah. He just over and over and over and over and over again. Um, if you like Peter Bogdanovich or Martin Scorsese or Francis Ford Coppola. That's um, so cool. Yeah. He would basically hire you, make you get his laundry, press his suits, <laughs> yeah. pick up lunch. And you got to start at the bottom. Work your way up until you were like, I think Bogdanovich was doing, like, on the Wild Angels, was doing almost all the second unit shooting. Yeah. And then he was like, congratulations, you're going you're gonna to direct a movie, and gave him the parameters of shooting a movie. So you just kind of work your way up and out. Yeah. That's... And Joe Dante was another one. Yeah. So We talked about that, I think, the first time we did a Corman movie. Yeah. Or maybe it was even the Joe Dante movie so, we talked about that. So Corman's thing was always, if you do, if you work for me and you get a direct a movie, if you direct two good movies, you never have to do another one for me because a studio will hire you. <laughs> Because you know how to do something fast, cheap, and effective. Like, that was his whole thing. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, uh, Tim Burton developed a script for a remake of the film, and it ultimately did not get made. Um, this was also a movie that Roger Corman wanted to remake up until a few years ago. He had talked about, like, if he was ever going to remake one of his own movies, it was going to be this one. Really? With modern special effects. Okay. Yep. I, hmm, I mean, like, yeah, I, it, hmm, <laughs> it, 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 I didn't think it was that meaty, but maybe I'm, I'm missing some of it, but that's all right. There, yeah, there was a, a comic book publisher called Gold Key, which did, like, Planet of the Vampires and Planet of the Apes, and, you know, they basically did, like, series based off of, quote, B-movies. Right. They did a series based on this movie. Oh, right. Yeah, they did a adaptation, and they kept it going for a little bit. Cool. So, yeah. I would watch this again, I think. I... Maybe. Watch this, with a, watch this with a monster, maybe. Yeah, the thing about this movie is, because I'd seen it years ago. It's wild. And It's like watching a play two times. I like it. And the thing is, as I was watching it, I was like, oh, eh, it's kind of boring. And then the more I thought about it, especially after the ending. Mm-hmm. The more I'm like, that was actually like a really good movie. Like I really enjoyed it. It's not my favorite Corman. Um, definitely not of the stuff he's produced, but it's a, it's a it was movie. a decent movie. Really, really and enjoyed. and again, at the end, it was you know, there there was a point to this. There there is a, a message laying under there. Not laying, I mean right there for you. Um I liked this movie. I don't know if it was my favorite this month. We'll see. What are we doing next week? Uh the end of the month. Okay, so that'll be... We're going to wrap it up. Let's see if we can top anything we've seen this week. Venturing into Event Horizon. Okay. Event Horizon. I'm really excited for this one. When did that come out? 97. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's what I'm guessing. I think 97. All right. Well, we'll talk about that and more next week. Join us, won't you? Word. Mind the doors.